0: So welcome to the latest episode of The Shredder Show. And today we have an awesome guest uh, who is Annette Verpilo from, who's known as Posture Pro on social media and has a business. So she's a world-leading expert in all things posture, posture physiology, and in terms of how the body works. So one of the things we were briefly talking about before uh, we started this live podcast now is that a lot of people don't really look into and delve into these nuances where there's a huge amount of room for people to improve uh, not just you guys, but also myself. So that's why we've got Annette on the show today to ask her tons of uh, questions and give you guys some take-home knowledge. So thank you so much for coming on.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I love the way you pronounced my, uh, my last name uh, correctly. <laughs> actually, I, I,
0: I was like, I'm going to try not to bastardize this. Is it French, I mean, French-Canadian out of interest?
1: Uh, it's French from France, but most um, most English speaking uh, individuals have a harder time uh, harder time pronouncing my last name. But you did a wonderful job, so thumbs up.
0: Thank you, thank you. So, um, getting into things, now, Like when a client first comes to you, what are the thought sort of things you first initially look at? Because I know some things you're about to say are probably going to blow people's minds in terms of like different different concepts and different things that people think. You really look at that. Like wh- where would you start looking first first and foremost in terms of potential issues people might have?
1: I start to look at things that probably most therapists uh, were not taught to look at. So for example, if somebody comes uh, to, come to see me for either lower back pain or, sh- or shoulder pain, uh, I'll be more inclined to look at their feet and the way that their eyes are tracking as opposed to starting to work uh, uh, locally, either on, on the shoulder joint or on the lower back. I think that what makes us fairly different in, um, in today's day and age is that we combine the knowledge of science, of neuroscience, in the context of a, uh, in, a in a biomechanical context, and we bring in or, or gap or bridge that science with the symptoms that the clients are, are expressing um, in clinics. So, Um, The most common pains, as you know, and as I'm sure you've, um, you know, we all have friends that have lower back pain, Uh, even children nowadays are having lower back pain, but the popular pains really are anywhere between ankle, knee, hip, uh, lower back, shoulder, or even migraines, and that really represents a huge amount of expense uh, nationwide, worldwide. And, um, and, you know, and um, I think that the biggest problem is that people are really managing symptoms instead of looking at it from from treating the cause to have an effect on, on the symptoms.
0: I think it's very, very true. It's one of those things people go straight after, like, feel pain in their knee but why do you have pain in your knee like is that coming from your ankle is it coming from your hip but people will often just go and they're trying to get a deep tissue massage on their knee or acupuncture rather than actually trying to go after what the root the problem is so they never actually really get get rid of whatever the issue is if that makes sense
1: well, yeah, but the, but those all of those therapies do work uh, up to some extent. I mean, they do provide some type of relief. Um, the the point that I'm trying to um, uh, to bring forth is, is they do provide relief, but the results are temporary. So, if there was a way out there to really address the cause, so that it could minimize these sessions to the different therapists that someone may be consulting in a week and a month or in a year, uh, that, that would not only make you save time, it would make you save money and it would realign you much faster as well. Uh, giving you time to um, uh, to train more, to have more leisure time with your family, or or you know even with um, uh, with your loved ones. So um, yeah, but I think that the concept of a brain-based approach is is still fairly unknown, mind you. I think that nowadays it's it's growing more and more. I remember in 2006 when um, when we would just put in Google, <laughs> we just put in Google, uh, uh, we would just search to find out if there was anyone out there that was you know practicing in the same realm or in the same thought process that we. Were, there was like absolutely nothing out there and I'm so happy to say that now you know most of the people that are coming up are people that we've trained and you know so this this is to say that I think that growth is inevitable more and more people are coming on, on board more and more people are starting to shift their attention towards a brain-based approach and I think that you know it's going to give everyone uh, the opportunity to um uh to reach higher levels uh, whether it be personal whether it be in workout or whether it be in global health
0: so it's one of those things It's looking at what's the the bottleneck or what's actually holding you back from your progressing because I think a lot of people get stuck so much in this attitude of just work harder and work harder and work harder. It's like you're, it's almost like trying to drive a car with a handbrake on is the way I look at it. It's like people need to not necessarily work harder but work smarter and be more efficient with what they're doing. They'll get way better results and not break their body in the meantime. and um, obviously a lot of talking about here is like having a brain based approach. Like one of the big things is people having like a slight brain imbalance. What would be some of the symptoms of that? Say for example, if you have um, one side of your body's maybe slightly less developed, would that be a, a symptom that you might have some sort of brain imbalance? And then how would you go about practically trying to maybe treat that?
1: Yeah. So um, a brain imbalance, what's important to mention is that a brain imbalance is, is something that we develop over time. Um, the development of the human brain actually happens between the age of zero to eight years old. At eight years old, the human brain is the size of an adult brain and continues to grow up to our 26 or 20 years old as far as these, uh, the neuron connections in the brain. Uh, when someone has a brain imbalance, it simply means that there's an asymmetry in connection between the right brain and the left brain. And because it is the brain that projects onto the muscles, if there's an asymmetry of connection between those either one side of the brain or the other, the expression of that will be poor muscle tone. So what you may see is either uh, one trap that's overdeveloped in comparison to the other. Uh, Someone will say to me, I I always uh, feel that I have a lack of strength on one side, um, as opposed to the right side. Uh, It may express itself with uh, repetitive Uh, inflammation or injury on on one shoulder or one knee or lower back or whatnot and um, visually what you'll see is you'll see you'll see asymmetries you'll see one hip that's slower one shoulder that's slower and these asymmetries actually express themselves in the three planes of space when you have a brain imbalance you may see that not only in the sagittal plane but you may also see it in the frontal plane and the transverse plane so The problem with that is that the brain just takes in information and projects onto the muscular system. If you don't actually find a way to intercept this loop and change the way that the brain is processing that sensory input, you're never really going to have a permanent, and I'm going to underline that word again, permanent effect on the muscular system, the good news as well is that because neuroplasticity is very real, regardless of you know your gender or your age, uh, you may always create new connections in your brain and reconnect both sides of your brain and have an effect on on your muscles, on, on your quality of life. So I, I love to ask people, what, you know, what's the reason that they're coming to consult me, and what can I do for them? to exceed their expectation in, in one session and, and hopefully what are they looking to resolve more more specifically from, from this consultation.
0: So say for example, take my, myself in place, like my left side of my upper body is slightly less developed than my right side and I'm very heavily right-handed. Would you say that potentially would be something which would be like a potential brain imbalance? And it, or interestingly, I'm also flat-footed on my right side, which is my stronger side.
1: Yeah, you see, you see any asymmetries, an asymmetry period yeah. of- wherever it's located on the body could be an expression of a brain imbalance so if we talk about brain imbalance one one has to also mention primitive reflexes I don't know if the audience is familiar with, with primitive reflexes but they're really these movement patterns that are embedded in our DNA as humans there's 72 of them and if you uh, they kind of unleash themselves they, they reveal themselves as we learn how to move as you know from, from, from newborns to babies to toddlers to, to children and so on and so Forth, we kind of like go through these different motions and movement patterns that help us activate our muscular chain. So if there's um, an interception in that system, in those movement patterns, and it could start from, you know, being born through cesarean, for example, or walking too early, or, uh, you know, being put in the uh, jolly jumper, which, um, you know, before we can even uh, uh, bear the weight of our our entire body weight, we were already swinging and, and, you know, resisting gravity. So all of these things can potentially lead to, um, uh, through, uh, to, to something that would interfere the, the sensory process as we're growing, which leads to a brain imbalance, which leads to a muscular imbalance. So when we're seeing an adult today that says, you know, I'm flat-footed only on one side, well, that's the projection of the asymmetry of muscle tone because why would your nervous system, if the goal of, of being human is reproduction and wasting the least amount of energy standing upright, why would your nervous system choose to have you flat-footed on one side as opposed to the other. It kind of doesn't make sense, right? Because when you're eating, you'll only contract your stomach the right amount of times to digest your food, not one time more or less. It's kind of like this, this intelligent notion that we have. Well, it's really kind of the same thing with posture. Someone who's crooked, or has a brain imbalance is always going to be in a state of fight or flight. Their sympathetic system is always going to be too high and they're going to be into massive energy expenditure. Uh, so they're going to waste more energy standing upright. So that's kind of like, you know, kind of like the chain that, that it goes that 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 goes to my head when I see someone, I see, yes, this, but there's a cascade of events that start right from the beginning.
0: Out of interest, does that have a correlation with their personality type, with maybe like type A personalities?
1: you <laughs> I love, you know, we spoke about that on, I love how you're mentioning that. Uh, there, there's, you know, there's always correlations. I mean, the limbic system is, it turns around the motor system. So, um, you know, everything is limbic. The, so, so if you're going to have a, a, an effect, if your, your emotions, the first emotions that we definitely um, remember in the first stages of our life, usually before the age of three years old, um, this could definitely develop our personality, uh, whether we're type A, or type b or, or whatnot but it could also affect our, our muscular system and the posture that we have so um you know what i'd say when we're talking about a global approach is really kind of understanding all of these different concepts and then applying them in the context of a single session with someone who's suffering could really be uh, life-changing
0: what would be the first point you'd go to when you've got someone like that in front of you like I always obviously talking before about what we spoke before in our previous talks in terms of you look a lot of the jaws, the eyes, the feet, where would you go to first as like the low hanging fruit to try and, try and help someone in that situation?
1: Yeah, so you, you mentioned an important point. So so there's, there's basically four main sensory uh, receptors. We call them sensory receptors because they send information to the brain. Uh, the first one is gonna be the foot. So because we walk with our feet, right? So that's the first thing to come in contact with the ground thing about the foot is that it tends to adapt to the imbalances of the body. So for example, if you have an imbalance with the way that your eyes are tracking, or if you have improper jaw position, uh, like a crossbite or improper uh, swallowing mechanisms, which is going to affect your, uh, your breathing, your head position, uh, which is going, then going to affect your center of gravity. All of that has to be accounted for. But typically what I look for um, right from the go is, is the feet. So I'll have someone come in the office, I'll measure their center of gravity. I wanna know if their weight bearing surfaces are even on the left foot, on the right foot, on the forefoot, on the rear foot. How's their actual center of gravity if there, is their head, are there, is their head and shoulders more forward in relation to their uh, lower back, or is it backwards, or do they have increased uh, curvatures? And then I try to correlate all that with the position of the jaw. In between all of this, there's of course there's the inner ear that's constantly contributing, so that's going to be another, another another factor that's considered in the equation. And I'd say also, um, if I may, if I may add two more components, definitely scars. Uh, surgical scars are going to have, have an effect on the muscular system as well. And that's something that most people don't, don't really think about. Um, so, so scars is another component as well as metal fillings in, in the mouth. So I think that, once again, a, a global approach is something that, can try, that tries to consider all of these sensory entries uh, that could potentially be at the leading cause of, cause of the issues that we're seeing in clinic.
0: And what what are the main postural issues you see when people come into the clinic with you? Is it a a wide variety or is it a lot of people with, uh, so like upper back thoracic issues? What's the main challenges you see?
1: I don't see enough prevention, unfortunately. Uh, Although I've started uh, started, uh, working, um, uh, I'm starting to work more with children now. But um, I guess the common pain really is back pain. Uh, back pain, shoulder pain, knee pain, i say are on top of the list. Um, and, you know, then there's migraine or ankle pain or, uh, you know, rarely do I get someone who comes here and, and says, you know, I'm just here for prevention. That's just kind of, that's like 0.5% of the people uh, that comes in clinic, which is too bad because I mean, um, if people realize that they, you know, uh, if they prevented, if they aligned their posture to prevent injury, then they would just be, uh, everyone would be better off.
0: Do you notice that I've interest people when they their physiques change, and say for example, they go through like a transformation process when they add more muscle mass that can have maybe a negative impact maybe on, on their posture or does it have a positive impact?
1: Yeah, so I mean, we know that um, if you're posturally misaligned, it's going to have a negative impact on, on your posture uh, and on your training as well because it's going to put you in a state of constant stress. And as we know, cortisol is the biggest enemy of, of muscle growth. And when you train, this is a positive stress, but you are increasing cortisol levels. And uh, uh, you want to go into you know, metabolic phases as, as quickly uh, as possible, you know, to either uh, through the, uh, taking in taurine or magne- ma- magnesium or uh, you know, um, uh, reducing that cortisol as much as possible. But uh, again, if, if you have bad posture when you step into the gym, what you're doing is you're really reinforcing those imbalances. You are no doubt, you know, training your muscles and getting fitter. There's no doubt about that. But you're doing it in a state that's already compromised. And that's where, that's where the kicker comes in, because then you'll have someone that will hit a plateau, right? They're eating well. Um, they're doing everything that they need to do. What I think trainers need to can start considering is, is you know, what do you, what's happening outside of, what's your state outside of the gym? posturally, because then that will give you a great indication of the potential growths that you can have in the gym. So in other words, a postural imbalance is, um, is an obstacle to reaching your fullest potential. I mean, there's Olympic athletes that, that you know, are winning gold medals posturally imbalanced, but at which cost? They're literally wrecking their body, right? So, I mean, you know, we can think of a few examples, but if the body's wrecked, um, and, and then there's this misconception, you know, no pain, no gain, right? <laughs> um, and, and then it kind of becomes a trend. Um, uh, I say uh, no pain, all gain. <laughs> so so that's kind of, you know, I'm kind of, that's the way that, that I see it. And, and there really is a way to um, to, to train with a body that is as aligned as, as possible to reduce that stressful effect and, and, and turn the cortisol production into our favor to allow, to allow us to have greater gains in the gym. If we're talking, of course, about, about building muscle mass
0: i I think one of the things a lot of people guys in particular don't think about necessarily is that everyone's paranoid say from doing uh deadlifts or squats that they're going to thicken their waist but if your posture is well aligned and your joints are stacked and you're putting the weight through your body you're not going to be overly loading your obliques or other supporting muscles that shouldn't really be like taking the weight during these exercises and becoming overly developed so I think a lot of guys maybe need to take So maybe some more thought process into that and what they're actually doing within their training and focus on getting themselves into the right positions and stacking their joints correctly and having, as you said, the correct posture. And then A, they'll develop probably the physique they want. And also the risk to injuries is far, far less.
1: Well, yeah, and, and you know what, a simple, a simple, a simple, a simple test would, would do it if you, if you just find a way to measure the length of your shoulders. Uh, of course, this is without cheating and looking straight ahead or have someone kind of tell you, you know, where, where are your siloid processes in comparison to the other? Is there, is there one shoulder that's lower than the other? And, and the, kind of the same process with the hip. Uh, people need to realize that if they're misaligned, what's really happening is that their pelvis is already in torsion. And if there's a torsion of the pelvis, then you can't have proper firing of your, uh, of your entire erector spinae. You, you can't. You're, you're, you're working yourself out into injury. It's just a question of time before it happens. And of course, there's a variety of factors that are going to influence this. But at the end of the line, your vertebrae are being uh, overly compromised. So I'm always going to take it back to, to the prevention. What if there was a way to make sure that your vertebrae are as perfectly as line, aligned as they can? Be for you, and then have you train uh, to your maximum potential with a body that is aligned. What would be the outcome of that? And that's really that's really the the idea behind what, what, what I've called the Posture Pro Method is is to allow you to do for yourself and your clients to uh, to be able to continue a more complex program. Um, and allowing you to progress with the intensity of your training routine minus the inflammation and minus the the stress factor and and then you know take it from there and see how people are feeling what i 'm seeing personally is that is that people are feeling. They're feeling great. There is such a massive change not only in their training. I'm I hear comments of some guys telling me that they're now they've almost doubled their weight. They're uh, they, they are able to go through a day uh, 19 hours uh, a day. I understand that's unhealthy, but I've had some guys tell me that uh, you know. And just like it's just like crazy things when you when you allow the nervous system to uh, receive the proper amount of information correctly symmetrically, then just great things happen.
0: So, from from a practical point of view, if you have someone who's in that, which I think a lot of people, probably myself included, have that situation where their hips are are almost like twisting, and say the bottom of a squat, where for example you're flat-footed on one side. How would you start to uh, look at fixing something like that from a practical point of view? Would you look from the foot upwards in that situation?
1: Yeah, I do, because I mean, I've associated myself with uh, with a couple of, uh, you know, doctors, uh, neurosurgeons, neuroscientists uh, over the year and even uh, um, dentists to to understand all of the different components that could potentially affect that muscle spindle and. The bottom line is this, because we walk on our feet, I mean, the foot is an extremely complex, um, complex in nature, it has 26 uh, um, bones, it has uh, over 100 ligaments, uh, 33 joints, and it's made to move right and it's also connected together through muscle and fascia the problem with the feet is that if you're walking with uneven weight-bearing surfaces so if i take your example you're flat footed on one side so your your one foot is pronated on one side and, and let's assume that the other one is not well the adaptation of that pronation is going to be reflected in the muscle memory of that foot And the problem is, is the foot attaches to the tibia, that attaches to the femur, that attaches to your pelvis and goes all the way up. So to reverse this adaptation and understanding how the muscle spindle reacts to stimulation, it's going to be very challenging for any therapist. I'm the first one to say this because God knows I've tried it, to reverse this adaptation simply through manual therapy. So again, it's not to say that manual therapy doesn't work. It works, but it cannot reverse the adaptation of the fascia and the muscles in one hour.
0: You can't unlearn that movement pattern, can you?
1: I'm sorry?
0: You can't unlearn that movement pattern that quickly.
1: You can't, but you can do a treatment for it and then feel better in range of motion. And that's where the paradox comes in because when we think of the feet, everyone in the world thinks of orthotics. Right, and orthotics are made to mobilize your foot and move the bones of your foot in a specific neutral position. But what if we were to use, again, based on science, texture, frequency, little inserts that are no thicker than three millimeters to actually stimulate those sensory receptors, those little receptors in the skin of your foot that send very precise information to your brain in regards to the ground that you're walking on, could we induce a positive muscular response and then undo, right? Undo the, unlearn the bad, um, uh, uh, the bad uh, habits that we've learned. And what we're starting to find is that we can actually reverse that process. But to reverse this process, uh, you have to give stimulation to the nervous system more than, more than an hour a day because if you're walking on your feet for, I don't know, for 16 hours and you're going for a, treat, a one-hour treatment once a week, it's very imbalanced. Mm. There needs to be constant stimulation to the nervous system. As a matter of fact, there's a study that says that no source of single input to the nervous system can create a permanent change in the nervous system. And there are specific tests that we do in clinic called the Romberg test and the Fukuda test. These are two tests that will allow any practitioner to be able to compare whether or not their intervention has had a significant impact on the nervous system. They're actually neurological tests that are used to test the in- integrity of proprioception the the individual's proprioception. So improving those scores, um, guarantees, guarantees almost that you've had a result on the nervous system. The trick is going, going to be to keep that result ongoing for the next week, for the next two weeks, for a minimum period of six weeks. So to do this, we use proprioceptive insoles.
0: Okay. And do you want to tell us a little bit more about these proprioceptive insoles? Because this is something I'm fascinated about. Because for example, with my dodgy flat foot, with I, when I say for example, give a squat as an example, I can feel all the weight is on the ball of my foot or on my heel. Probably like 70% on the ball of my foot, my right side. The rest of my heel and nothing on the outside. So that for me would be, for an example, where I need something almost to stimulate the outside of my foot to mentally, I guess, try and like push more weight onto that outside of my foot, which again would have the, the upward, uh, I suppose, in the chain effect of me driving my knee outwards more in a squat and externally rotating more, sort of stopping my knee dropping in. Do you have inner souls, for example, that specialize in specifics to that degree?
1: So we do, We do. I'd say that that's gonna be more in clinic. When someone's in front of me, I could really bring the, um, uh, the, the appropriate adjustments to their specific type of posture. But I wanted to create something that was not only affordable, but that would actually target um, the entire foot, the, making, the sensory receptors in, in the skin of the entire foot to, um, to normalize the weight bearing surfaces. So um, to understand how the brain picks up information uh, through the feet, these um, there's tests that are, that are done through micro neurography, which is basically they insert an electrode into the uh, tibial nerve and by specifically sending signals and pressure under the toes and uh, forefoot, foot, midfoot, lateral band, heel, and so on and so forth in different different points and different frequencies, they're able to induce um, scientists were able to induce a muscular response. So what the conclusion that we draw from this is that if we use height, and there's a threshold. If we pass three millimeters, it becomes nociceptive. It, it, it cuts the proprioception. Below three millimeters, it stimulates the muscular system. So there's a threshold. So creating um, a, a proprioceptive insole that has that specific wedge in different parts of of, uh, the the insert would then give us the uh, therapeutic effects that we're looking for, not only with adults, but also with children. Because up to now, I mean, I would not, there's therapeutic insoles that we use that I never use with children before the age of six years old. But the new proprioceptive insoles that we've uh, launched allows any kid, that from the moment that they start walking, it basically helps them develop their proprioception. Not only can they use it on their hands, take it out of the shoe and rub their hands on that, which is essential for the grasping reflex and integrating that reflex, but also wearing them in their shoes helps the child, child develop their sensory motor system, which is absolutely crucial in the first eight years of life.
0: Absolutely. I'm what's your opinion on two things one like the vibram shoes for training because they're pretty you can get a lot of feel to your feet and also training like barefoot or just wearing socks
1: i love them Yes. <laughs> there they're probably some of the best shoes out there they they come with with a price tag, but again uh anything that works is you know has to have a price tag on it but i love I love these shoes there's there's also many other shoes out there that you you know as a rule of thumb what I say is is always try to get the shoe that's the most flexible if you're into fashion and you want them to look really really good uh then sure there's there's different models. But uh, I love the vitamin shoes. I think that they're awesome. They're also bringing a great awareness about, you know, uh, people's feet and their shoes. And I think that that's a, that's a great thing. I think that uh, more and more people, I mean, I certainly see it here when, when somebody puts their shoes back on, they're misaligned. <laughs> and they have like 50 pairs of shoes that are just doing them wrong on, on a daily basis and when they're training at the gym. So can you imagine? So I think that uh informing people and educating them in regards to the shoes that they that they wear is definitely something that that could be part of the process of of rehabilitation as well
0: 100 i think that's one of the things personally for me has made a very big difference the last 12 months is being much more aware of either i like to train a lot more barefoot now and then also then using the vibram shoes i find it's a massive difference i can't comprehend how people wear and like Nike Air Max trainers that are super soft and put like the air bubble in the back of it and like, I just don't understand.
1: Well, it allows you, yeah, it allows you to extend and move your toes in the way that they were meant to be. Your brain uses the information from your toes and your heel the most. So if if the toes are all crunched up like this, like a can of sardines and, and, you know, the the toes are kind of becoming hammer toe and you can not have that proper movement, how are you going to propulse yourself forward, Right. The propulsion forward, the big toe, the entire development of that big toe and the entire gait cycle is going to be affected. So uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you were asking at the beginning, uh, uh, before we started the podcast, I mean, there is, a, you know, so what, so what we did is we developed, uh, we just put an online course that talks about foot mechanics, which talks about, all, all, you know, all of this with, with the gait cycle and what to do to properly restore foot proprioception um, as far as, you know, in, 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 in our daily life and what to look for as far as the imbalances that we see um, either with ourselves or with our clients or, or at the gym. At the end of the day, a foot imbalance is something that we've acquired over time. And the posture that we have today is the direct reflection, the expression of the way that our brain is projecting on, on our muscles.
0: Of interest, with the um, postural issues you can have. Can that have any effect on people's waist size as they get older, not just in terms of uh, from the body fat levels, but say people, uh, losing control of, say, for example, their core core strength or anything like that in terms of, uh, maybe brain imbalances or more postural issues as things almost like, uh, degenerate, if almost that's the right word to use over time.
1: Well, yeah. So, I mean, when, when we're born, we're born into uh, flexion and, uh, what makes us human is the fact that we're able to stand upright and be bipedal. And um, when we age, we go back into that flexion. So uh, one could argue that um, keeping an erect posture for as long as possible could potentially delay Aging, um, uh, you know, as best as possible. Again, many variables will affect this equation. But if there was a way to, uh, you know, keep that activation of the posterior chain without thinking about it, that's going to be really the that's really the challenge. Because you could think yourself into good posture, but the minute that you stop thinking about it, you revert revert right back to your original state. So if we can tap into that system that controls your tonic muscles unconsciously and activates your posterior chain. Then potentially we can say that we're maybe delaying the um, you know, we're maybe delaying aging, or found something to delay the process of aging through upright posture. It certainly allows us to fight gravity more optimally, because it has to do with energy expenditure. If you're wasting more energy standing upright just standing upright, then that's going to be more, less energy that's available for reproduction, whether it be your cells, whether it be digestion, whether it be rest, whether it be, you know, all of the physiological functions that are necessary for you to go through homeostasis.
0: 100%. Avish, what's, what's your opinion on tools like, um, I what the first name is, but almost like the bow tie thing you can use to put around your shoulders to stop internal rotation which almost pulls you back into place. Are you a fan of manual things like that that keep you in a, a certain posture or do you think they have their place?
1: Well, I don't think that they could change posture because because of the knowledge of, of neuroscience that, that, that we have. Um, I think that they're a great gimmick to have, right? I mean, those companies are obviously, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a business. It's a business to, to run on. Why not? But I think it's improper improper to say or to claim that they will correct posture. Because again, you're working on the muscular system. The muscular system is something that responds to the commands of the brain. So if I'm attaching myself and using something to position myself into a state of extension to fix that rolling in of the shoulders, well, what is causing me to be into flexion is my brain. It's poor activation of my brain. So if I recreate those connections in the brain that activates specifically the posterior chain and again, one could could conclude that I would not need those devices to mechanically put me in that position.
0: In terms of talk about things to try and pull you back into position, I know you've mentioned before in terms of uh, like how important the eyes are and how much of an effect that has. Is there any way to improve like left to right brain imbalances by trying to work work on your eyes or how they're always like activated as such? Yes.
1: Eyes? Super fast. I mean, you, you can't get a faster response by moving the eyes. Anyone who decides to do eye exercises, anyone could do it. You could do it anywhere, and it costs. Uh, it, it's it's it costs no money at all to do it. Uh, and time-wise, it really it's going to cost you no more than 30 seconds. So you can have an impact on the entire brain by working out your eyes. Not only could it could it give you more energy. Uh, not only could it affect your limbic system. Not only could it affect your posture, but it also can help you um, uh, with uh, with reading, with sensory motor, with I mean, there's a cascade of different events. Everything is linked to the eyes, really. Um, But again, it goes back to that chicken or that egg. If I work out your eyes and you're in a wheelchair and and you don't walk, then I can have the greatest uh, result on you. But if there is an adaptation with your foot and you're walking with one foot, for example, that's pronated and the other one that is not, then the foot is going to to, re-inject, is going to have an effect, that ascending kinetic chain is going to have an effect on the muscular system. So this is why I choose to look at the feet first the low-hanging fruit in my session, because it's the first thing that comes in contact with the ground. Second, we look at the eyes, we work that out. And third, we start working on the TMJ and the jaw. Neutralize all three components, you're, you've probably you've probably had an effect anywhere between 60 to 80 percent on on whatever symptoms you may be experiencing. So you know that's 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 for us. That's something that's really it's really worth it. I mean the percentage and the numbers speak for themselves. And uh, if we can kill five birds with one stone, then why not?
0: It's highly effective. From a, a practical point of view, what would be something that maybe as a take home people could try for themselves, maybe with their feet, to try, if that's the, the lowest hanging fruit? Is there anything easy people could try at home? As an example, something they could try and build into almost like their daily routine.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely, as you mentioned, first of all, look at your shoes. Uh, if you're walking with shoes all day long that are putting your foot in, in a wrong position, then you're you're going to want to address that as soon as possible. Any, you know, my three step approach to rehabilitating the foot is is by first working on proprioception. So anything that's going to stimulate. Um, the proprioception of the foot, and that's going to be through the skin. So whether you want to use a spike ball, whether you want to use a fork, whether you want to use a pen, or, you know, kind of tickle yourself under your toes, I know it it might sound a little weird, but you're actually working on that proprioception. Uh, And then I work, you know, I'll add some rehabilitation exercises and some strengthening exercises. But at the most, if you do have the budget for it, I would strongly recommend looking into the proprioceptive insoles because this is something that you'll be, able, you'll be able to work on proprioception all day long, literally all day long, and then have that proprioceptive effect, which you can then add the rehabilitation and or strengthening exercises to correct your foot imbalance. Now, if you can match that or do that in, uh, in conjunction with eye exercises, then that's when you'll get the most therapeutic effect in in certainly in my
0: experience i'm definitely buying these insoles which which would be the ones you'd recommend for me for example
1: so from a therapeutic perspective unfortunately for you i'm going to have to go for the therapeutic insoles which have a a higher price tag but but on a daily on a daily basis if you just you know want to put them in your shoes and, and kind of test out the effect then i would suggest the foot activation insoles all of them are proprioceptive insoles just have different functions so we have different bundles we have different uh uh types of proprioceptive insoles and they can all be found on on our website shop.posturepro.co
0: and they're your own branded uh insoles i'm sorry they're your own branded insoles that you created these yourself
1: they are, yes.
0: Awesome. So that's one thing, say, for example, for feet for people practically to try. So then the other thing we would address in terms of eyes, what would be an eye exercise people could try to try and improve their eye function?
1: Oh, there's so many. <laughs> you know what? Just just moving your eyes either sideways, horizontally, slowly, or vertically, and or doing counterclockwise uh, circles, again, slowly, will work out your eye muscles. The idea behind it is that we have 12 muscles that attach to our eyeballs and these muscles are connected to our brain. So we need to find a workout routine that will have all 12 muscles work in synchronicity. So uh, horizontally, or doing the X writing and you're just kind of like following so the cross or the X or circles on a daily basis or even before workouts. I mean, you know, when we had the ice bucket challenge out there, I said I said to my friend, we should have the eye exercises challenge out there and have people do their eye exercises and then you know kind of do their military press before and after and show the difference. Uh, it's certainly gonna wake up your brain. The sensation that, that you'll get is that you're you know you're more aware or the brain is is woken up. Now, if you feel a little bit of dizziness, then there might be something going on also with your inner ear. Just take it slow, slow it down, and uh, diminish the amount of time that you're doing the exercise. But it might be a good idea to, um, you know, to visit a posture pro trained practitioner. I know that we have some in the UK, which are, which are on our website, if, if anyone wants to uh, find someone uh, near your neck of the woods, and, um, and then they'll be able to address your, your postural issues. And if not, I do offer online consultations as well.
0: Awesome. In regards to the the eye exercises, will you ever do one eye independently to the other? So like, say for example, cover the left eye, cover the right eye and focus them independently or do you always work them in unison? Unison. Okay.
1: <clears throat> Mostly in unison because I'm always trying to um, uh, promote binocular vision.
0: Okay. Um, one last subject to sort of delve into because I am going to keep you too long it In terms of breathing patterns, does that have a big impact in terms of posture people's jaw development is that something that you again look to try and maybe address after going after the other issues in terms of eyes feet
1: yeah so so the jaw is huge it's something that's really um uh, not tapped into the uh, fitness industry at all because i mean the jaw is reserved to dentistry uh, and with good reason, because obviously, if we need to fix our teeth, we, we need dentists. But um, most uh, trained uh, practitioners um, in dentistry uh, really are not aware, and i 'm saying not all of them, but most of them are not aware of the impact of the jaw and posture, uh, so the position of your lower jaw, the um, your swallowing patterns, the way that you swallow your saliva, which is up to 2000, which is anywhere between two thousand to three thousand times a day. Is going to not only have a direct impact on the development of your jaw—that's going to be upper and lower jaw—but it also has um, it has an effect on the positioning of your lower jaw. Now, the problem with that is that the lower jaw, its position, whether it's forward, underbite, or overbite, is going to affect the position of your head. That is going to affect your sagittal plane, but also simultaneously, that's going to affect your oxygen consumption because if your head is forward obviously the tube is bent then it's not going to oxygenate your brain as well as it could so will the diaphragm be affected will your internal organs be affected as your posture again slouches forward absolutely i mean if you just bring your body forward and t- try to take a deep breath and then bring your shoulders back and try to take a deep breath Uh, You don't need you don't need a PhD to figure out that it's much harder to breathe with with rounded shoulders. Uh, But if you're standing like that on a daily basis, and you're trying to, you know, literally grasp for air, it's just going to make it much harder for you. So I mean, what happens when you deplete oxygen from your body? Um, not very good effects, right? You, you bring your body in a state of, of acidity uh, and stress. And again, stress, that famous uh, cortisol hormone that we all love. Um, so the idea behind that is that there's different uh, things that you can do. I mean, again, optimally, it's about prevention. I think parents should be aware of how the jaws of their children are developing. Uh, When the baby teeth come out, then when the adult teeth come out, you have to promote uh, lingual and tongue movements because a baby will go through um, uh, uh, breastfeeding to bottle feeding to uh, the teeth coming out to then chewing. All of that changes the mechanics of the jaw. And if the swallowing patterns are not properly integrated and if they don't go through a specific process, then this is when you'll see all of the issues with the eruption of the teeth. And you know, I mean, and, and we are seeing there's a problem because there's a huge increase in, in orthodontics in, in the 21st century, which did not exist 200 years ago, right? So there's something that's definitely changing out there. So, um, so yeah. So in a nutshell. Uh, what can we do? Well, it has to do with with re-educating tongue posture, and that could be a little bit more complicated when we're working with adults. And, uh, you know, there's different tools that we use to to rehabilitate the jaw. But before that, we want to figure out whether or not the jaw really is contributing to the imbalance or the symptoms that we're seeing in clinic. And which is really important because our programs do allow practitioners to pinpoint what's causing what. We know at the end of the day, everything affects everything, okay? We can debate that. I mean, we can talk about the foot, the eyes, scars, everything has an effect on the nervous system. But where you're going to get the greatest result is when you address all of those sensory entries at once. But if you can figure out which entry is the contributing one first, and then second, and then third, this is when you get the maximum results. In your practice and with your clients, because you understand the process that you're going through therapeutically.
0: 100%. In terms of your own personal daily routine and that of your clients, how do you recommend people structuring postural work uh, within their day or their routine? Do you have something you'd recommend as a general? Like, I don't know, after you brush your teeth or before you work out? Or do you when, start to have it somewhere?
1: When should you do your posture work?
0: Yeah. Or. or <laughs> you or mean the process, Yeah. Or? Yeah.
1: Uh, well, listen. It's going to depend on the symptoms. Uh, so I'll give you an example. Someone who has um, a problem with eye tracking or an asymmetry with their eye muscles will, will, will tend to feel pain, regardless of the pain in the body, in the second part of the day. So um, you know, when you wake up in the morning, if you have a healthy nervous system, you're, you're refreshed, unless you had a you know you had insomnia the night before. Uh, so typically, doing eye exercises in the morning. You could do them you know, if you wanna start your day right, but uh, in the second part of the day at lunchtime or supper time around three o'clock, four o'clock is definitely when I would suggest for, uh, for anyone to do their eye exercises or 100% before training. Uh, same with the feet. I mean, if you wanna wake up your brain in the morning, uh, stimulate your feet. It literally wakes up your brain. I mean, there is a special connection in the brain. Your feet are connected to your brain. So if you want to activate your brain do some eye exercises and work out your feet in the morning before you even, you know, before you even start your day.
0: Awesome. some great advice to finish up there. So thank you so much for your time there, Annette. For people to reach out and find out some more information about you, where's the best place for them to check out Maybe your website, your Instagram, how's the best place to reach out?
1: Yeah, so, well, they'll find our website on our, on our Instagram. Uh, PosturePro is, is the, uh, the hashtag or the uh, username to look for either on, on Facebook or Instagram. And, and our website is PosturePro.co. So um, that's where you'll find us.
0: Awesome. I'm going to go do some inner soul shopping now. And uh, I really, really appreciate your time. So thank you so much today. It's very, very insightful. And I'm sure it'll help everyone out there massively. So everyone listening, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, share this on your Instagram stories. Tag myself on the net and I hope you all have an awesome day. Thank you very much.